Welcome to the Real Estate Play-By-Play. We are your hosts, Christy Martinelli, top-ranked realtor worldwide, and Danielle Olbrantz, mortgage industry veteran. On and off the field of life, you need to know the plays to win the game. We are here to give you the play-by-play tools to reach your real estate goals. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, a seasoned investor, or just have a love for real estate, suit up. It's It's game game time. Welcome back. Real Estate Play-by-Play. So this is a fun episode. I'm actually really excited to talk to you guys about this. Not sure if you guys caught this past Monday night football game, the first Monday night football game, right? So football's back. So exciting. One of the most exciting (laughs) times of the year. Danielle can not even control herself. She's so excited. I can't. It's just, yeah favorite time. And as I'm sure Danielle saw the other night, the Bills played the Jets Monday Night Football. I know. Um, I know things. Okay. Okay. (laughs) The Jets won in overtime against the Bills. Um, But that wasn't the exciting part or the big news, I should say, of the game. The big news of the game was Aaron Rodgers, four-time MVP um, that just came from the Green Bay Packers to the Jets. Everyone was so excited to have him, what he's going to do for the franchise this year. And he goes down in the first game. Yeah. And he gets hurt. So sad. So sad. Fantasy people that had him are bummed. Um, <laughs> My you husband's know. crying. So sad. <laughs> so sad. Um, and, you know, Zach Wilson came in and played for him. And, you know, luckily they ended up winning if you're a Jets fan. But it's very similar to real estate in the sense that you go in with a game plan and sometimes things fail. Sometimes things take this, like, twist right. and you need to go to your backup. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many instances where that happens all the time. I mean, I get it on my side as a mortgage broker. Oftentimes we get called in at the last minute (laughs) because some other lender is dropping the ball and things are falling apart. So you're like the Zach Wilson of the Jets. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) that that kind of means something. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, it it happens really quite frequently, right? I mean, there are so many rules in, in mortgage that um, a number of things can happen, right? It's either the bank that someone has applied with has kind of their own weird, quirky rules that um, something came up that doesn't fit in their box. Right. That happens fairly frequently and we get called in because we have more options, right? As brokers, we can go to a number of different banks. So we might have just better options. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sometimes somebody truly screws up. They miss something, right? right? I mean, we were just talking about this in another episode, but I got called into a, an offer yesterday where a previous buyer was going to buy the property. The lender set it up as a, a PUD. It wasn't a PUD. It was a condo. It fell out. All of a sudden, like, I'm called in for a two-week close to kind of save things. And that happens. Right. I mean... Yeah. And, you know, I will say from a realtor's point of view, if I get a new client that's a buyer, they come to me and one of the first questions I ask them is, are you pre-approved? Yeah. Um, you know, half the time they're not. And then half the time they are. Well, if they are already pre-approved, my question, next question is, well, who are you pre-approved with? You know, sometimes I know the lender, I know the bank, but sometimes I've never even heard of the lender. You know, it's somebody out of the East Coast where they used to live that they had a relationship with and they don't know anything about doing lending out here in California. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say, you know, as a realtor, I have my go-to people, right? So if I'm referring uh, Danielle to help somebody, I'm not getting anything out of it per se. Like, 
I just want to make that clear. Other than the deal closes. Yeah, other than the deal closes. (laughs) That, you know, I trust her. She'll get it done. That she's thorough. She works really good with first-time homebuyers and explaining situations. So, So in a sense, I'm getting out of it that you know, I know my client's going to be well taken care of and things are going to close. That is why I'm referring somebody to a mortgage broker that I trust. And that's a common misconception. I think people Mm -hmm. think that somehow, like if a real estate agent refers a lender, that there's something in it for them. And that's just not the way it works. Yeah, it's it's illegal for one, but two, it's just not the way it works, right? I mean, there's definitely the reason for referring business is to know that you're putting your clients in good hands. Right. And so a lot of times if somebody comes to me and they're already pre-approved by somebody else and somebody that I've never heard of, and I do a lot of transactions. So if I have not heard of that person, they're not doing a lot of transactions around here. It makes me super nervous right off the bat because I know that I'm going to do a lot of, put a lot of time and energy into getting their offer accepted, especially if it's in a multiple offer situation. I don't want to get into a situation where we're in escrow and I'm having to go back to a listing agent who I have a great relationship with to explain to them that this lender's not working out for whatever reason because I don't know them and they didn't right. catch something. Right. And so you know? sometimes we do get called in just as a backup mm-hmm. and that's okay, right? I mean, not every mortgage broker operates that way. Sometimes like they either want it or not, right? So as, right. as mortgage brokers, we don't get paid unless the loan closes. That's how we operate. But that's okay. Any good mortgage broker is willing to kind of step in and support, you know, the, the real estate agents that they trust by being that good backup choice. Right. I'm not in the business of wanting to steal a client from a lender who's doing a good job. Right. That's just not how I operate. I know there are brokers out there who do. They want to win the deal no matter what. That's not how I operate. If their lender is doing a good job for them and giving them a good terms, right. great. Stay put. But I don't mind stepping in and at least going through the steps of pre-approving to give that reassurance to all the parties that there is a deal. And then if for any reason their non-local lender drops the ball, we can kind of like step in seamlessly to finish it out. Right. And, you know, I think um, one of the misconceptions a lot of times is that properties, you know, escrows don't fall through. They don't fall out of escrow. (laughs) Right. And that is just not the case. I mean... Previously, um, I haven't pulled the numbers recently, but, you know, three or four months ago, it was one in every three properties was falling out of escrow, whether it has to do with financial reasons or something else that's going on with the property. Um, So having a backup lender is not a bad idea. But a lot of people don't step in with that plan, right? right? And and there are a number of reasons why transactions fall apart. You know, the the big one right now is simply that people get pre-approved, you know, maybe far ahead of time, mm-hmm. right? Months ahead of time. And their lender issues them a little pre-approval letter and then they go about their way. And then six months later, they find a house and they have not been maintaining contact with their lender in that time rates have changed, things have changed, and then either they no longer qualify or it's no longer in their comfort zone. And so then all of a sudden the transaction falls apart. So that opens up some additional options, right? There are a lot of reasons why deals fall apart. As a buyer, if a property that you're interested in, you know, is already in contract, Mm -hmm. if it's fairly new in contract, I, I know you suggest like go into backup position. 
Right. And then what does that look like? So what does that really mean for a buyer? I think that can be a confusing process. Yeah. So we're in a situation right now, especially here in Northern California, where there's limited inventory. (laughs) And our team is doing everything we can to uh, turn over rocks to get more inventory. So if we have a client looking in a certain area for a certain property, um, you know, we're not just passively sitting back waiting for a house to come on the market. We're calling agents, we're texting agents, we're door knocking, we're passing out flyers. We're trying to get something to happen, right? You're not doing anything passively. I'm positive of that. Yeah. Right. (laughs) What's that word even mean? I don't know. But, um, so my point is, is that when you find a property that your clients can get an escrow on, you're basically trying every avenue, including if two situations. One, if a house is already in escrow right, uh, on the MLS. So there's different categories of houses. There is contingent show, there's contingent no show, and then there's pending. Hmm. Yeah. So if I'm looking for a property for my client on in the MLS, besides the active one, active ones are obviously homes that are not in escrow yet. There are also properties you can search under. Contingent show means it's in escrow and they're not showing it right now. Doesn't mean you can't still write a backup offer if you've already seen the property um, or you know feel aggressive to write a backup offer. Contingent show is that it's in escrow and they're still showing the property, meaning that the buyer in escrow right now has contingencies. Maybe they have their financing contingency still. Maybe they have their inspection contingency or their appraisal contingency. Right. They still have a chance that they couldn't fall out of escrow. Right. Okay. Or change their minds, right? I mean, or change their minds. can back out for buyer's remorse. No good reason. Right. If it shows as pending, now that means that they've removed all their contingencies and the likelihood of that falling out is going to be really slim because if they do, they run the risk of losing their deposit. Not many properties fall out when you're pending. So one of the things that we'll do on our team is we'll look at houses that are in contingent status and we'll call the agent and say, hey, how's the escrow going? Is it a strong escrow? Is it not a strong escrow? Would your sellers consider a backup? offer? If so, what price point does that have to be at? Right. This is just giving us more options and putting our clients in a position that's not first position, but backup position. Right. Um, so that what happens is if that escrow in first position falls out, backup position just slides right into first. So it's not going back on the open market. Mm-hmm. It's not going back to the public. Mm-hmm. It's already kind of negotiated. Right. And there's no way that they can accept another offer. They have to accept that backup offer. Right. And you could be in backup offer two, three, yeah. four positions yeah. technically. I've never time. had We've that, seen that, that but kind of like, stuff. But. Yeah. So um, the, the other thing is too, which I, I mean, one of my first transactions I ever did, um, we wrote an offer on a property, my buyers, and there were like eight or nine offers. Uh, we were not the highest. My clients just could not go any higher. We fell right. in about fourth or fifth in line at the time um, in terms of price. They accepted an offer that had all their contingencies removed except for one with a one-day contingency. So the likelihood of that falling out is very slim. Right. No one else wanted backup. I asked the listing agent if we can be in backup in our fourth position that we were at, in our, at our price point, because we couldn't go up any higher. She said, okay. We got into escrow. The next day, the people backed out. It's like so buyer crazy. Remorse, backed yeah. out. My clients slid right into first. Yeah. And to this day, they live there. They love the house and they rave and they still remember the story of like, no one else wanted backup. We got in backup and right. got the house. Right. 
Um, now, some agents will say, okay, there's a downside to putting your client in backup. Hmm. The downside that people claim is that you solidify the offer in first. So if you're in backup and the offer in first position is, let's say, asking for some credit and the sellers don't want to give it to them, this the buyers might not push that credit because they know there's somebody in backup and if they fall out, they'll just take the backup it's offer. That extra competition. Extra competition. I will say though, in my experience, I've never had a buyer in first position with a backup behind them that moves forward in an escrow because there is a backup. Right. If that buyer in first right. position does not want to move forward, they're not going to move forward. Totally. And if they want to move forward, they're going to move forward. It's not going to be because of the backup offer behind them. Right. So I really do think as a buying agent, you're doing your client a disservice if you don't at least ask to get them to back up position right. in a multiple offer situation. Or right. Yeah. I mean, and it's very much the same on the loan side, right? It, there's no downside to having a fallback position. What and about, just let me none. ask you this. If, um, let's say... We just recently had a situation where um, our clients were in escrow um, on a property with another lender, was their own lender, and they were having some issues. And so we called up Danielle and we're like, hey, is this something that you can do? It had to do with the HOA, some issues with the HOA. If they submit a backup offer, are there fees associated to being a backup offer for a buyer? None. Yeah. No, I mean, literally, it's just a little bit of time and effort out of their life, right? Which is worth it to have that extra insurance policy. It's an right. insurance policy. You're you're hedging your bets that if one lender can't do it, another one can. And oftentimes, we don't necessarily even need to go through all the steps, but we need to like get familiar with things and have things ready to go. And I'll say um, one question that I get, and I'm like, ask the mortgage broker, but I don't think that's going to be the case, is... If you've gone through the loan process with one lender and it comes down to the end and you can't close with that lender and you've already paid for your appraisal, yeah. one question I get is, can we still use, since the buyer pays for the appraisal, right. can we still use that appraisal moving forward with another lender? Yeah, that's a um, not necessarily a clear-cut answer because it depends. It depends on the loan type and it depends on the lender. Most loans, we can transfer the appraisal. So Mm -hmm. technically, even though the buyer is paying for that appraisal, it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the lender. They are the client. Interesting. And so in order to use that appraisal, I need the lender's cooperation. Mm. Now, if they're denying the file or, you know, something along those lines, usually they're very cooperative because nobody wants to deny a client. I mean, no, no lender wants to deny a client. And so if somebody else thinks they can do it, they're going to cooperate every way they can just to like try to salvage it. Right. But there are situations where that lender has not denied the client. They're just doing a really poor job. Hmm. And going to that loan officer and asking them to cooperate in taking their client from them doesn't always get received very well. Right. I can so <laughs> depending on the situation, it might make more sense just it's like to throwing order. salt on yeah, the wound. It's like, hey, you're really screwing up. So can we like take half of the things that you've already worked on yeah. and <laughs> use those for us to fix it? It just doesn't like it's just not always the right move. So right. <laughs> oftentimes, if that's the situation, I'll just say like, let's just order a new appraisal. I can get them really fast. It's going to cost a little bit of money, but not enough to 
warrant the week that it's going to take of trying to beg this other person to fill out the paperwork right, right. to release the appraisal, right? So yeah, usually that's that's the game plan. But if it's a denial, they'll almost always cooperate. Yeah. Almost always. And that's, um, you know, that's just one of those things. There's also been some new regulations this year. So like without going too deep into things, FHA loans from bank to bank have like a central case number reporting system okay. through through FHA. And it used to be in the past that if a lender at, you know, XYZ mortgage company denied an FHA loan mm-hmm. for um, credit reasons, income reasons, any of those things, mm-hmm. they would have to put like coding in the system of why they denied it. Mm-hmm. And then it would be very, very hard for another lender to overturn that denial because they'd have to come in with new information Mm-hmm. And those rules have changed a little bit in like the most recent month. So that's a positive for people who, you know, may be in that situation. Right. A lot of times it's just the way a loan is packaged. Like the loan yeah. officer hasn't put together the story properly. When we think that mortgages are so black and white and X, Y, Z, but it's really not. You have to paint the picture in the right way to make it fit all the boxes. And that's an art. Right. And I, I feel like you're putting that stuff in that box. You're packaging that up for the lender. There's stuff that you're going to include in there, stuff that you're not going to include. And I, right. you know, we were talking about it earlier. I had a situation where clients that were working with a bank and they submitted to the to their bank, the, the mortgage broker submitted to the bank, the purchase agreement contract, but included the cover letter on it. Right. And in the cover letter, it specified why the purchase price was lower due right. to an inspection, an issue that came up on the inspection. Well, the bank saw that right. and then they requested to see the inspection. And then when they requested <laughs> to see the inspection, they requested that before the buyers close, they finish the item and get it taken care of. And then it turned into, well, we'll let you close, but you have 60 days to do it. Right. And the buyers didn't want to do it. They weren't planning on doing it. Yeah. Um, and now they're being forced to spend 15000 to take care of this issue that they were never going to do to begin with. And so they said, okay, forget it. We're going to go somewhere else. We'll do a backup right. loan. Right. And, mm-hmm. that, and, you know, that's a great example of properly packaging a loan, right? So nobody is ever suggesting that you hide information, right? That's that's obviously not what we're what we're talking about. But as mortgage loan officers, we have certain things that the lender needs to see and then certain things that we don't need to know anything about. Right. So on a regular conventional loan, I don't need to know anything about the inspection reports. I don't even want to see them because I don't need to know. Right. Unless it comes up in appraisal, I, it's not my business. And so knowing that you should be only giving the lender the information that they need and not the information that they don't need is an important aspect of that. Right. Yep. Correct. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a need to know basis. A need to know basis. <laughs> and there are some things that don't need to be no- known. And that, that all really is an important factor of properly packaging the loan and why, you know, having a backup lender might be a great option. Right. And not even just the qualifying side. Sometimes it's a relationship situation. You know, you talked about mm. non-local lenders. I had a real estate agent call me not too terribly long ago. She said, hey, these clients of mine have been working with their like father-in-law as the lender. Mm. Like great guy, totally committed to them. Amazing loan officer, but he wasn't local. He was out of state and they were getting their offers rejected because 
none of the local uh, real estate agents knew who their lender was. Right. And they, they were kind of getting just like a little biased because they didn't have that, you know, familiarity. And the same thing goes with realtors, right? Realtors 100%. outside the area. Yeah. It's way harder to get your offer accepted if you have a realtor from outside the area versus somebody who has relationships and is a top producer right. in that market. Right. And so we stepped in, you know, as a backup option for them mm-hmm. because now they have some ammunition when they're going to make offers you know, they're looking locally and we know all the real estate agents locally and their offers are not going to be, you know, looked at in that negative light by right. having a, an out of office or an out of town loan officer. Right. right. And same goes with builders. That's another big area that we end up in pack, back a position. Right. Mm. So the truth is, is that when somebody's buying a new construction property, oftentimes there's a relationship between the builder and a loan company. And there are huge incentives to use that loan company. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I can't match those incentives. That's just what it is. They are they are paying for that relationship and they are putting money into it. Mm-hmm. And that's great. They should take advantage of all of those benefits. But those lenders are not always the best. And so having a backup choice, you don't want to get halfway through the transaction and then find out that your builder lender couldn't pull it off. Right. You'd rather give up your incentives than not close. Right. Right. And so just, yeah, having that backup person, like being the backup offer Mm -hmm. choices. It's all about choices. Yeah. Moral of the story. Don't (laughs) be afraid to go and back a position. It's okay. Look at Zach Wilson. He got his opportunity in back up. His minute to shine. (laughs) And, you know, who knows what that will do to his career, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Backup offer. Backup lending. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this play-by-play, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review on your podcast app, or please share with a friend or colleague. For more information, helpful tips, and real estate strategies, please visit us online at www.therealestateplaybyplay.com, where you can also connect with us on social platforms and sign up for our newsletter. Get Get in the the game. game!